HawkeyeInsider.com, David Eichel here with Sean Bach following a thrilling Iowa 41-21 win. Sean, let's just dive right into it. Uh, it was an interesting second half. Iowa really got out to a quick start, but Penn State, once they put in Sean Clifford, recorded two quick touchdowns before Iowa really settled back in, and Davion Nixon uh, is definitely going to add something to his highlight reel with that 71-yard interception touchdown, but as we always do, let's start right at the beginning. What were some standout things or things that stuck out to you about today's game? Yeah, you touched on it, Dave. Definitely an interesting game from the standpoint of, you know, the first drive of the game for Penn State resulted in a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. The third, was it the second? It was the second drive of the game. Resulted in a pretty easy touchdown for Penn State. After that, Iowa just kind of went on a roll. And then all of a sudden, in the third quarter, Penn State puts in Sean Clifford, and that kind of flips the script a little bit, throws two touchdown passes, back-to-back touchdown passes. And things start to go a little bit interesting. Iowa then, their defense steps up, recovers a fumble, or has two interceptions, obviously, with the the Chauncey Golson credit to Davion Nixon for the deflection on the defensive line. And then Nixon got revenge for that interception that was called back in the Michigan State game, which was called back for a penalty. He got to return one to the house and really sealed the deal in this game. So definitely lots of like for Iowa. I don't think it was their best played game. I think towards like when they really started to get on a roll, I think that was kind of starting to expose maybe Penn State's different or some of Penn State's weaknesses, especially on the defensive line. And then the offensive line too for Penn State, Iowa just dominated both ways in the trenches, honestly. Mm-hmm. You can look at a couple of drives in the second half where the Iowa offensive line wasn't at its best, but I thought really this game was won in the in the middle in the trenches and um Iowa's run game while Tyler Goodson wasn't at his best, Makai Sargent was really, really good. And some of the other guys in the offensive line for Iowa were just really spectacular in getting and helping them get this win and getting the offense going it was interesting too nick neiman had 13 career ta- uh, 13 tackles in the first half which matched his career high ended off with 17 zach van balkenberg continues just to be a really just consistent weapon on that edge two fumble recoveries really was involved in the backfield had four tackles as you mentioned davion nixon it continues to boost up his NFL stock. I mean, game after game, I think he's in legitimate contention for Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Sean, just by the way he's made uh, – just really done everything well, whether it be play the run, whether it be, you know, sack the quarterback, whether it be creating turnovers and taking advantage of opportunities. Because if Davion Nixon does not get that pick six, you know, you know Iowa might have squeaked out the win, but it's a lot closer of a win – like a lot closer of a game than anyone – would have liked so that was a great play by him and again I think that's going to be added to his highlight reel as far as athleticism especially with that the euro step which was just it was it was an interesting thing to watch unfold but let's start again on the offensive side I think you hit the nail on the head Makai Sargent I thought played his best game of the season 15 carries 101 yards two touchdowns broke off a 28 yard run Tyler Goodson, I still think, did some good things. He broke off that 25-yard run, had a couple here and there, 10 to 12-yard runs. I feel like the offensive line wasn't as consistent when Goodson was in, but Sargent, just his aggressive physical running style, really played well. And, you know, a really quick update, too, on Mark Kallenberger. Mark Kallenberger uh, did leave the game. He is hobbled a little bit. That's why you saw Jack Plum insert at right tackle. Kirk said he's hopeful it's not serious, but keep in mind, Sean, it is a short week. Iowa will be playing on Black Friday against Nebraska, so maybe Jack Plum does get the start there, so that'll be something to watch. 
Um, I think we need to talk about Spencer Petras. I thought at one point, Sean, he was completely riled that pass that should have been picked off when he was staring yeah. down. I think it was Emir Smith-Marset. But then he also had two great throws, which I think you were the first person to tweet out. Uh, it was probably his two best throws of the season. He hit uh, – was it Nico Reganey for the 26-yarder? And then he hit Sam Laporta, which put them down at the one-yard line. Uh, great catch by Sam Laporta. It was a low pass, but – Spencer put it where he had to. Otherwise, it could have been an interception, but Laporta was the only one to get it. So, you know, we've been pretty critical. I think a lot of people have been critical over Spencer Petras for the first couple of starts. But what were your kind of uh, initial thoughts after the game? Yeah, I think the uh, the underthrow that Petras had, I think that was to Bayer. I could be wrong on that, but I think it was to Bayer. Um, yeah, but I thought Petras, like you said, Dave, I thought this was probably – his best game of the season from a, just an efficient an efficiency standpoint. I thought, yeah, there were a couple throws. I mean, he had the overthrow to Tyrone Tracy in the first quarter. That one to Byer or Smith Marset, whoever it was, doesn't matter. Um, it was a big underthrow. There were a few other ones where you're kind of like that one to Reganey where he kind of maybe could have waited a little bit longer um, on the in the goal on the goal line. Um, wasn't really the best play call in my opinion, but you know it is what it is. That that play definitely could have been fixed a little bit but ESPN or the just overall the whole quarterback ranking QBR had had Petrus this had this being Petrus's best game of the season um Michigan State was right behind it but the other ones were not like maybe like 10 15 20 even 30 points off so this game from an efficiency standpoint I mean Clifford I mean Petrus didn't turn the ball over made some good throws made some that maybe he, he wanted back um I thought he did a fine job now there was a little bit of rattle I thought in his head um I thought he maybe could have waited a little longer in the pocket maybe waited run through his progressions a little more um but I think overall I think this game was really good and kind of what you want from quarterback now I think maybe one or two maybe nice to have one or two more touchdowns but you know I think this was a game where you could have really relied on the run game like it was last week against Minnesota you rely on the run game to get you scores at the goal line. Um, and I think, too, another thing I wanted to point out is we didn't see much of Brandon Smith on any of those goal line situations. As we yeah. know that Smith is probably Laporte, or Petrus's favorite target in the red zone, and we didn't see him out there. We saw Amir Smith-Mart set wide a few times. So I thought that it was interesting. I mean, I don't really want to look into it too much, but I think that's something that maybe we keep an eye on for the next couple of games because I thought – honestly that Smith has done the best job or has done yeah has done the best job in the red zone and making plays yeah definitely and I liked the first play how they did throw the ball to Brand Smith the first play of the game for the five-yard gain I thought after not targeting him at all in the previous game I thought that was a big deal um, but as you mentioned I think I think Spencer should, I think this was a step forward it was nothing that's going to really catch your eye but he didn't turn the he did not turn the ball over he he hit, he hit some nice throws, which we hadn't seen, I think, in the first four games. If you're talking that 15 to 25-yard kind of pass, he put, uh, he put the ball on the numbers and put, his position, uh, put the receivers in a position to succeed. And, again, I think that's a big step forward. I still think he's a little bit rattled in the pocket. Granted, I don't think Iowa's offensive line at times held up the way they should have. And it's, beca- it's become clear to me, Sean, that, Nate Stanley had a much better ability to scramble out of the pocket. Granted, he's a three-year starter. Maybe this changes for Spencer next year if he does win the starting job next year because I've said this, and I've said this on our board. I think a lot of other people are thinking it too. 
I think it will be an open quarterback competition going into the spring. I think it should be too, especially with no spring practice last year. They just kind of rolled with what was comfortable. But I do think we see an open quarterback battle there. But as you mentioned, I think Brand Smith got involved. Nico Regani had a couple nice grabs. Sam Laporta, I think for the way he struggled the past couple of weeks, I think this is a good step forward for him from a confidence standpoint. And I know we've touched on this a little bit too, Sean, two things. One, Tyler Linderbaum, I think, is going to have a very legitimate decision to make whether or not to go to the NFL or not after this year. I think he's played phenomenal this year. And Monty Potterbaum at fullback, I think he's going to be a very, very good fullback. I think he's been a very uh, integral part of this Iowa running game. That's kind of has resurgence. And you're going to look at the numbers and say, yeah, Iowa ran the ball 3.8 yards a carry. Well, keep in mind, Spencer Petras ran the ball, quote-unquote, seven times for a total of negative 18 yards. That's going to kind of inflate the numbers a little bit. And something else I want to point out, I know Will Levis, the Penn State quarterback, got benched. But on that first drive, Sean, he had 44 yards rushing uh, on seven carries. And by the end of the game, he had 15 carries for 34 yards. The Iowa defensive front and that front seven really clamped down. Seth Benson did some nice things. Jack Campbell, I think, continues to show why – he was praised all offseason. I think he has a very bright future as well. Uh, we kind of touched on the offense. Let, let's go right over the defense. Uh, as I mentioned, Nick Neiman did some good things. I thought at times, Sean, Iowa's defensive line got uh, was got dominated, but it really seemed like today that their, their short yardage third down situations is when they came up big. Time and time again, they would absolutely just obliterate the Penn State defense, uh, offensive line. And I think, you know, I think a big part of that too, Sean, Dane Belton, I think, played one of his best games, too. He forced the fumble on Will Levis, and he was really timing his blitz as well. And Phil Parker, you know, he's not really that big of a blitz guy, but he really, you know, let them just go after the quarterback. Yeah, I'd say in those one, two-yard situations on third and fourth down when he showed a defensive back, like I think Kerner was showing showing blitz on one of them, and then it might have been – was it Belton on another one? I don't remember exactly. I think it was, it was Belton. He was involved in that backfield. I think it was him and Van Valkenburg on the other one. Yeah, well, there was there was a – yeah, no, no, no. That's I'm, – I'm getting my plays mixed up. But, yeah, I mean, when he was showing the blitz too, I thought that they, that was when they were really effective. And I think, yeah, what, I mean, I know I talked about earlier how I thought the offensive line or the defensive line for Iowa really dominated. But, yeah, I think there were a couple times where Penn State might have showed them up a little bit. But I think the positive – this is the case where the positives – outweigh the few negatives um so there were a lot more positives for the Iowa defensive line um than there were for the offensive the offensive line for Penn State and at the beginning of the game too I thought Iowa was kind of playing it safe play giving Levis in the running game maybe those three to four yards um to make something happen that's kind of how they've really got the ball down the field and when you were thinking when you were after that first drive for Penn State you were kind of thinking or second drive sorry you were kind of thinking, you know what, this game might be this game might be interesting. Like it might be a battle. But then Iowa's defense found ways to adjust and really, really started to show up to the Penn State offense a bit and really made him struggle and then ultimately made him go to the bench, which I mean helped Penn State because Clifford got on a roll, but still I thought there was a lot of good things that the defense did and whether it was showing blitz, whether it was getting pressure. I mean, Joe Evans didn't really record a stat from what I've seen, but he played a lot more of those second first downs and we've seen and while he didn't record any stats there were a couple pressures that he had that Mm -hmm. he was responsible for getting in for putting the quarterback in a weird position 
and getting him to really make a pressure decision, like maybe putting him into a sack or putting him into a tackle for loss or making the guy hit him and making him throw a bad pass. So I thought he did a really good job. I thought he was kind of the young sung hero of this game on the defense from a defensive standpoint. I mean, there were some times that maybe he lost his footing, but I thought overall he was a guy that really deserves more credit despite not recording a single stat, which I thought was pretty crazy. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point there too because, you know, when I, mean, I need to look back at the film and I will tomorrow, but I, as you mentioned, I, I recall seeing Joe Evans back there time and time again. And I know sometimes for as great as Phil Parker can be, Sean, I know some outsiders and, you know, we all think this at times, he doesn't really adjust as quick as he should. I think, for example, the Purdue game is a good example of that. But I, I think it's worth giving him credit here. And Davion Nixon made it a point in his press conference where he talked about the play on that pick six. Basically, he started out in the middle, and by the blitz design, it was up to Davion to go around that left side and contain the side. because, And he'd mentioned because they'd been dumping it down and checking down time and time again throughout the day. And he knew – Nixon said he knew he was going to get the pick right when Clifford turned his head over to Nixon, and that's when he made the play on the ball. And that's when he knew, and he was, he said, right then I knew I was going to score. But I think, again, just those subtle play calls and and the players making that known, I think you have to give Phil Parker a lot of credit for making that adjustment. And you have to give credit to Davion Nixon for being able to realize that. And something else on defensive line, Sean, is uh, a true freshman did get action. Uh, Yahweh Black, the uh, Minnesota native, had a tackle, his first career half tackle for loss. Big-bodied guy, 24-7 sports, was incredibly high on him. I think he was a 90, Ray a 90, and a four-star yep. by the end. 90. But uh, he's a guy, if he's making it into these kind of meaningful snaps, Sean, uh, he's a guy that I think the staff is incredibly high on. And who knows what happens next season with the defensive line. I think Davion Nixon's going to have a, a decision to make. Chauncey Golston, I think, is going to go to the NFL. Who knows with Zach Van Valkenburg? He's one that intrigues me if he wants to come back for another year. But it's clear that Yahweh Black – is probably going to be in the defensive line rotation sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. I think Nixon, like I said before, and I think a lot of people tweet this too, that he's going to be a rising NFL draft prospect. I think he's a guy that we could definitely maybe see consider. I don't want to put words in his mouth or put anything really out there, but I think he's a guy that could definitely consider looking at the NFL ranks just based off the season he's had. Um, so he's a guy I think Golston's really – I think he's raised his stock, especially the past few games. Alaric Jackson, too. I mean, he had some rough moments today, but I thought overall his season has been great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, going back to the defensive line, there's a lot of talent in this group. I mean, I think we'll see Zach Van Valkenburg next year. Obviously, you got John Wagner. You got Matt Lorbeck, the Northern Illinois transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a number of other uh, underclassmen. Deontay Craig, probably. Yeah. Deontay Craig, Logan Lee, Noah Shannon. You got a number of guys that are going to be able to compete. I don't think this defensive line is going to miss a beat. Um, I mean, Nixon will be a huge loss just because he's been so good this season. Like, that might be an understatement. Like, it's not doing him – like, words cannot do justice how good he's been this year and just how much money he's made for himself with the way that his stock has exploded. As, uh, so, as, as I hear from a lot of people, and I think my dad's one told me, it's life-changing money, and that's what he's making right now. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think the, the simplest way, Sean, we can maybe classify it is prime Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year contender. He, he's been that good. He's shown his talent in every phase of the game. And re- really quick before we kind of wrap this up, 
Torrey Taylor didn't have his best game, but 44.4 yards average on five punts. One of them was inside the 20. He didn't get as much hang time as, as he has in the previous four games, but he did his job. A couple more line drives, but I mean, for a guy that's been his first year of playing American football and never seeing an American football stadium until this, you know, the start of this season during the season opener, I think he's done unbelievably well. I think Kirk Ferentz and all them feel 100% comfortable whenever he's back there and don't panic ever. Uh, Charlie Jones, I'll tell you what, I think you put this in our message board, the game thread, right, Sean? I mean, he's just – he's fearless. <laughs> there were a couple of them where I thought he probably should have called a fair catch, but uh, he didn't. But I'll tell you what, and I want to get your take on this too, Sean. It feels like Julius Brents – I don't know how many legitimate penalties he's made on those punt returns, but it seems like he gets called for one every time, and it's always pretty, uh, pretty controversial to say the least. Yeah, because – I don't, I don't remember the exact one. I think maybe he got, like, tripped up or something. Like, tripped up on the guy's foot? Yeah. I think that was one of them. He had one the other – like, was it against mm, Purdue? It was Purdue. And they called yeah, him blocking the back, but he just pancaked him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there was one against Purdue. And then Amir Smith-Marset had a holding, too. But that was pretty obvious. But mm-hmm. going back to the Tory Taylor, I think this might have been – correct me if I'm wrong this might be the first game that he punted on grass. So maybe that, that play a factor. I don't know. That, never... I would assume that would play a factor. Um, yeah. And I mean, the conditions weren't like incredible. No. Like it was pretty wet and looked pretty damp and looked pretty cold. So I don't want to make excuses, but I think that definitely played a role in some of his punts. No, definitely. But like I said, I think they're 100% comfortable. But uh, we'll, we'll be able to break this down a little bit early next week, and we'll talk the Iowa-Nebraska matchup. We'll talk Iowa basketball opening up here, hopefully in four days, as you know, it's been kind of reported. North Carolina Central, who's Iowa's opponent for the season opener, is still in quarantine. They are scheduled to get off, to, uh, get off the quarantine tomorrow and begin practice again. So I'll be sure to ask around, and we'll see if there's any reports of that. Uh, but, Sean, any other final takeaways here? Uh, I think it was, again, it was for the third straight week, I think that this Iowa team for the last three weeks has probably played at a, a, a level that Iowa football for a three-week span probably hasn't played in for the past, I don't know, at least a couple of years. I mean, they're flat-out dominating games. I know Iowa won by 20, and at one point it felt like Penn State could maybe get back into the game. But Iowa's just played at an incredibly high level for the past three weeks, and that's in all three phases. The weakest thing has been the passing offense, but – that really doesn't mean too much if you're running the ball for 200 yards a game and four touchdowns. Yeah, I think their wind of runch over the past three games has been almost 100. I think it's 92, 91 or 92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then you look at the games that they lost, I mean, minus five. So, definitely, if Iowa got those games back, I mean, you're looking at a potential 5-0 and team. Um, But who knows? I think at this case, like, I could make you could make a case that this team closes out the season six and two if they end up getting all their games in. Um, just the way Northwest or Wisconsin was able to, or Wisconsin kind of blew it against Northwestern today. And obviously, Nebraska didn't look great today against Illinois. Illinois wasn't all that great either, but or hasn't been all that great. Just kind of found a just beat a good Nebraska or beat a Nebraska team who's been struggling pretty easily. But I mean, games before that were not. I think they got uh, Brandon Peters back for the first time in three weeks too because I think he had COVID protocol or COVID, right? Yeah, something like that. So, or I'd assume it was that. So, 
Yeah, I mean, you could be looking at a six and two team, and I think a lot. I think everyone would be buying that after the start that Iowa had. Definitely, and you know, I'll say this: I, I tweeted this out earlier. We'll dive more into the Iowa-Nebraska, you know, preview and everything on Tuesday. Obviously, a program I'm very familiar with, and even some of the players there. But uh, the game plan, I think, simple for Brian: run the football. I mean, they, they. I mean, I think, I think at least through three quarters of the game, they were giving up ten yards a carry against the Fighting Illini. Uh, and it's at it's in uh, Kinnick, so it'll, it'll be interesting. But those games usually come down on the wire, and who knows? Maybe it'll be no different. But you know, again, a, a very good win for Iowa. I think Spencer Petras took a step in the right direction. The run game continues to be better. Uh, it you know probably the best it's been in the past five or six years. I think Tim Paulsek deserves a lot of credit. I think Brian and Derek Foster, and I think the entire offensive group really does because the wide receivers are blocking at an incredibly high level as well. The defense, despite not having a lot of star power, there's guys earning their star power, like, again, Davion Nixon. But 41-21, Iowa defeats Penn State for the first time in a decade. And the first time, uh, they snap a six-game losing streak against them. We'll have this and plenty more coverage at HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 sports. So be sure uh, to check that out. Sean, any, any final words? No, I got nothing else. All right, be sure to follow us on Twitter at SBOC247, at David Eicholt and at Hawkeyes on 24-7. We'll talk to you in a few days. And again, be sure to tune into HawkeyeInsider.com for the most in-depth Iowa coverage out there. Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.